Welcome in to the Red Wrestling with Legends podcast. We have had quite the week this week. Uh, Doug Basham, Fred Rosser, Scott Rosso. We've just been lining them up one after another. And today, really excited about this interview. You guys know him from really the, the WWF days uh, of pro wrestling. Um, I call him Dusty Wolf. That's his name. Uh, you know, he eventually went by Dale Wolf when, when Dusty Rhodes showed up. But it's Dusty Wolf with us today. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Um, so I just wanted to start from the top with you then. How did you begin with the WWF? Obviously, I know you were already in the industry at that point. How did you end up going to working yeah. for them? I was coming back from Hawaii. Uh, I'd worked over there for Leah Mavia, and I was in L.A. at the airport in a layover, and I just decided to call the office. I knew Terry Garvin. Uh, he was helping run the office in those days, and I just took a chance. I picked up one of the pay phones, and I called Terry, and, hey, can I have a job? And he tells me, well, we can do this, this, and this. There's not a full-time opening, but if you're willing to, you know, you be doing the job. And I'm like, well, you know, I've heard what you're paying. I don't know for a fact, but if what stories I'm hearing about pay, I would, I have no problem doing the job because I'm making more one night with you than I am you know, a week in some of these places. And uh, I was in LA, that was like a Tuesday or Wednesday or so, or maybe a Thursday. Anyways, towards the middle of the end of the week. And they were doing TVs in Phoenix and Vegas the following Monday and Tuesday. So a friend of mine said, just stay here with me. And then I went over and did the first two TVs. And Patterson sat me down and they kept me at least semi busy for the next six years. Yeah. Now I have a question for you too, because in your role, um, you know, more so as an enhancement talent, <laughs> you had a chance to work as a hill and a face numerous times, tag teams, singles, you did it all. What was your favorite thing to do face or hill? I preferred working the hill. Uh, at least in my time, the hill controlled everything. And you, you, it just made it easier if you you knew the flow and you knew what was going to take place, what you wanted to take place. And even in you know, TV matches weren't that necessarily that important as far as working the heel, truthfully, or maybe face. It didn't really matter. I mean, you're going out there, you're putting a guy over in three minutes and you're gone. So. Uh, but even then, working as a heel, uh, people enjoyed seeing the heel get beat, you know, their face gets beat. They're just kind of like, yeah, again, that guy, you know, so working heel all the way around, didn't matter where I was at. It was just, I enjoyed it so much. So kind of a silly question here, but um, I never saw you on the main card of a WrestleMania. Were were you ever at any of the bigger pay-per-views just to be there? Yeah, I I I actually worked dark at uh, Survivor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't even it's like two minutes. It wasn't even three minutes. It was just like we got to get the cameras ready. It wasn't even anything on the run sheet. Right. To be honest with you. You know, I was I was I've been to every pay-per-view in the back. I've never been to one in a crowd. I'm never gonna go to one in the crowd. Uh, but I've been to all of them in the back except WrestleMania. As really? far as what was in my day, you know, there was only four in my day. It was WrestleMania, Rumble, Survivor, SummerSlam. WrestleMania. SummerSlam, yeah, yep. and I and I have I've been to the three. It was four. I've never been to Mania. I, I, I won't go. I'm not going to go getting seventy thousand people. That's not happening. Uh, 
but yeah, I actually, I actually did. We had to, it was Survivor. And I, I don't even, I don't think, I think we took longer to get to the ring than we did anything in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those things like something didn't work. Yeah. And this wasn't the first time this had happened to me. I mean, uh, we know you can do whatever you need to do. Just go. We'll tell you when to go home. You know, that half of lights would go out or sound would go out. Or something. So you got there and you, you, and sometimes you ended up doing, when they tell you that you ended up doing 10, 12, 15 minutes, and you're like, please give me some kind of idea of what's <laughs> going on. Next time you would do it, you're like I say, you're in the ring and it took you longer to get the ring and it did then we'll get out of here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um who was it was the same, so I didn't care. Who would you say? Because you were there, I think, during the best era ever of wrestling. My my two cents on it, you know, being 40 years old growing, growing up. One of the two. One of the two for sure. Who are some of the best guys you ever shared the ring with that you remember the most fondly? Like having fun with them and long. talented. That's a long list. I mean, you gotta realize who was there when I was there. Martel, Santana, Kenny, Marty, Sean. Oh, I'm forgetting people. It's just that simple. Ted DiBiase. Oh, that's just a long list. I mean, people don't talk about it, but Horowitz was a night off. He would do the house shows. We would do 10, 15 minutes. If it had been for house lights, we might not have broke a sweat. I mean, he was just that simple, easy, but he you know, understood. Uh, oh, yeah. He was on our else? show, too. Barry was a great hand. Barry we had him. Yeah, Lanny Poffo was another one. Lanny Poffo, as long as you just understood that he was a little different style, just listen to him. It was a night off. Uh, there was so much great talent there at that time. Jake, you know, Jake's another one. You work with Jake's style. Night off. Now, were there any guys that you dreaded working with that who were just like were too maybe too Warrior. stiff or Ultimate Warrior? Warrior. I figured. <laughs> where during that generation, uh, some of this started changing while I was there. I, you know, when I went in '87, uh, you know, Dynamite and Davey were the two you wanted to stay away from. But other than that, the rest of the crew was easy to work with. Uh, and then Warrior came along, but. To, and at the end, you know, 92, 93, you had a lot of guys that they were that newer for then, newer generation. They had never been in a territory. They didn't know anything about codes or, you know, rules or, or right. systems. And they had just been broke in and then they were thrown into the spot and they were rough. You know, the Beverly Brothers were like that. Uh by now, Luger was beginning to not be quite so dangerous. But, you know, when Luger first came around, he wasn't the easiest in the world to work with. Sid, there were guys like that that they, had, they just didn't know. They didn't know that you – and it had been – you know, they had guys like Ole blowing smoke up their ass that were telling them, you know, it's, it's your time to get over in that TV and just go, not realizing that some of us were, were with, right there with them having to make a living the next day. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't understand. Can't get seriously hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you mentioned his name, and we've had a ton of guests on the show. Always kind of bring up this subject to us. You were there during a time when they switched for about a year in uh, 1990 WrestleMania six. They took the belt off of Hulk Hogan, put it on the Ultimate Warrior. Was that disputed by everybody in the back? Because everybody I've talked to has disagreed with that decision. Was that something that caught you guys off guard just because of the way he was 
difficult to work with, not fan friendly to the actual fans because he was beloved by the fans, but just not willing me, to take that extra didn't. step. Me, it didn't. Uh, and I'm not going to try to revise history three years later. Sure. It was inevitable Warrior was going to be the man. Uh, he was his creation from the ground up. There's no, there's no accident that his name was Ultimate. Maybe that part right there is just there's no accident. That's Vince telling the world this is the prototype of what a wrestler should be in 1990, 1988, 1992, or whatever time period we're talking about in that short, short time period. So for me, it was no, no surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking back, maybe it surprised me exactly when. Maybe it was, you know, if I was to actually have that good of a memory, I might have been a little surprised that it was 90, not 91, 92, or but the actual event itself didn't surprise me at all. The most of the guys, if they're gonna tell you the truth from that time period, tell you the same thing. It was only a matter of time. Uh Warrior didn't sell a lot of tickets like events expected him to, but his merchandise was off the charts. Right. And as you said, the kids especially loved him. And you combine all that with the fact that he is Vince McMahon's wet dream. He's getting the belt. Yep. He's going to carry the company at some point. Otherwise, why why create him? Right. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Um, I wanted to throw this out here, too, because this was funny. I talked with uh, with uh, Barry Horowitz. We're hoping to get the Brooklyn Brawler on. Um, yeah, there's no other way to word this question, but who was your biggest win? You had a, won a couple of matches along the line, I'm sure. So, like, who were, like, were, who were the ones that stood out? I most? didn't. Did you not really? I didn't win. No. I, won at least uh, I, had, I won. No, I tell you, like, I beat Joe Cruz in one of those matches that I just talked about, about how, you know, something broke. Go. Yeah. And we were in Ohio somewhere, Dayton, Columbus. I think it's Dayton. I don't remember anymore for a fact. I just remember it was Ohio because it shocked me so bad. I figured I'm putting Joe Cruz over. I've put everybody else that could put a pair of tights on over in that office. And, and they're like, no, you know, you go over. And I'm like, and I nearly passed out. You know, I'm like, hey, I know it's not on TV. It's just the idea that you guys are going to. Uh, there was a couple of DQs along the way, you know, like somebody wouldn't break a hold on it or something of right. that nature. That's always wondered because, I mean, Barry got quite a run. Yeah, I never really get that run. Uh, probably my own fault. I mean, I guess it was my own fault because we do. We agree to do things or we don't agree to do things. You know, we make decisions. Looking back, it's probably just as much my fault as anybody's that I never got the run. I wasn't talented enough or. I just didn't have something to count for saw. You know, all these years later, it's what it is. Yeah, I mean, hey, I knew you well enough to be on this show, right? So clearly, you made an impact. You know, that's, just, that's the funny thing. I worked for 30 years, and I worked full-time, literally full-time. The first six months, I did. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't connected enough, so you know, I had to work my way in. And then after six months, I was working full-time. And in the last year and a half, those in the business by then I had started teaching um, and I wasn't working full-time then in fact I was difficult to put up with that last year or so you know if I didn't like it I didn't put up with it I just didn't show up that sort of thing but for 27 28 of almost 30 years I worked full-time we did the math one day and I had like 4,000 matches in my career 
And all people, yeah, all people remember are those six years with Vince. And that's more a testament to just how huge he's made wrestling. Now, he calls it sports entertainment, which is fine. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Uh, but that's just a, a testament just how important he has become and his company has become to culture in general. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask that yeah. question too. Like th- this to me is pretty big. Okay. So again, growing up, right. Um, Saturday morning and Sunday morning wrestling was a staple and yeah. you know, nine times out of 10, it was your major star versus your enhancement talent. Right. And here's the thing. Guys. The way to right. And the thing about it was, it wasn't on the internet. That didn't exist. It wasn't on all the streaming nonsense. It was legit. You turn on your TV network television and it was on there. Do you think it could ever, that formula could ever be done again, where it's on an actual TV, TV station, um, you know, star versus jobber type setup? No. no. Uh, two reasons. One, I think culture just sells you know, and people and what they expect and what they want wouldn't support, you know, like you say, that you put it on a Saturday morning and there was your TV show. And I just don't think they would. Three reasons, really. So I just don't think the culture itself. Uh, television is not going to let you do that because of the paid programming. They, they, you know, there's just so many of the stations that would have, you know, in our time, would have been the stations that support wrestling, want wrestling because it's good for ratings. Now they're just selling the time. Yep. So why take a chance on ratings when I can just sell that half hour or that hour or those two half hours make an hour? Or sometimes like we've got one station here on Sunday morning from like five till noon, it's paid programming. Uh, and it's a network affiliate. Uh, third reason, Eric Bischoff destroyed it. As far as, you know, jobber, star, keep the stars apart mm-hmm. until we get to the house shows. Eric Bischoff destroyed it. Um that might have been a situation that was inevitable. It might have happened anyway later. But Bischoff got so wrapped up in creating TV. You give a damn about wrestling. He, he wanted to create TV. And he did, did a good job. So let's be honest. We still talk about him. We still talk about what he did. Uh, but he destroyed the system that you keep the stars apart until it's time to pay for a ticket. And then you pay for a ticket and you go see the stars compete. Because he was so busy trying to beat Vince in the ratings that he put stars against each other on TV. And once he did that, it's like anything else. People get a taste of something that they see as better than what they've just had. They're not going backwards. Right. So between the three, no, couldn't happen again. And that doesn't even account for the internet and the fact that so many of the guys don't respect their own level of kayfabe. I mean, kayfabe's dead. I'm not just don't be, let's don't even pretend that it isn't but there's a certain level of the guys could stay off of social media except to get something in the office over right. which in turn gets them over but they don't and so you know you just got so many factors no it never goes back right i'll give you a, a, a case in point example of that that last comment you just made there's a guy now his name is baron corbin he's on smackdown and Baron Corbin comes across as this hated hill kind of guy, right? Um, tries to be uh-huh. over the top obnoxious hill. Then he goes on social media, and there's pictures of his dog, 
there's pictures of him cooking out. He's got these like steaks and everything. Wow. And I mean, how do you, wow. yeah, how do you, how do you hate a guy like that? We're American. We love to cook steaks. So like we see right. a guy grilling, like I'm not going to hate some guy who's out there grilling. Like that's what I like to do. So yeah, it's relative, you know, these guys kill their larger than life image. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a guy like Mayor Barry, we were still larger than life. And even though people say, ah, you guys just look like guys off the street, blah, blah, blah. Hey, buddy, you were watching us. We weren't watching you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You watched us for years. We didn't watch you for years. So, yes, we were still a little bit larger. And we don't have, like, I've got four kids. You didn't see my children. No. Nobody cared anyway. But even if they did, you would not have seen my four children everywhere. You know, at that time, one or two or whatever I had at the time. Uh, you weren't going to see me at home. I went home to escape. Right. All of that. Now they bring that you know, phone with them everywhere. Everywhere they go. Yep. Everywhere that's, they, that's just ego. That's just ego. That's all it is. It kills it to me. It, it kills the whole ambiance of the situation. But then, but then, I don't know what Baron Corbin or anybody else in that office makes anymore today, but it's guaranteed money. Oh, sure. Yeah. If they get <laughs> yeah, over so, or not. Yeah. So there's an there's a lack of incentive there, which is great if you're the talent. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had a deal to where I always knew at the end of the month, end of the year, I had X amount of dollars to take care of my family and maybe even invest, et cetera, et cetera. I would have loved that. But then once you have that, you get lazy. Well, let me ask. Yeah, that's why so many of the guys today, even though they have guaranteed money, they have those incentives built in because Vince realizes that. If I don't build those incentives in, then all I've They'll just create another level of lazy. Right. Very much so. And and, and that's the thing. Um, so we've had, truth be told, we have had over probably 55 guests in the last couple of years, wrestling based, either wrestling or MMA. One of the subjects that MMA fighters bring up on a regular basis for whatever reason is steroids. The pro wrestlers always steer clear of that. I've never brought it up. However, you seem like a straight shooter. I've been following you on Facebook you just seem like a very honest person. So I'm just going to ask you and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but was when you were there working for Vince was steroids pushed heavily or was that something that was it overkill because it was unspoken. what was that? It was unspoken. Okay. You knew, you know, the whole COVID was the leader of the pack and how are you going to work with a man legit six, five, Whatever you weighed at the time, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't big, and there were only so many one-man gangs, and there were only so many ray trailers, and there was only so many guys that were going to just naturally be that big. So you almost had to be big. And Vince has always been a, a mark for bodybuilders. Always loved him. So it was just it was unspoken. It was never, you know, like a couple times I talked to him, like, you know, maybe I get a little more work, maybe a little more. Well, you know, we get a little more shape. And I never said, go stick a thing in your ass. Right. But, you know, if you get a little bit better shape, you know, I have a couple times I lost some weight and trimmed it up and got a little better shape. And, and I would see a little bit more work. But then when I didn't get bigger, go right back to where, you know, it was, just, it was unspoken, but it was there. The, 
sentiment <laughs> or the, the culture, it was there, but it was never like, okay, guys, you're going to take it and this is what you're going to do. And if you don't, you won't. That, that never happened. Right. I, I think Vince was too smart to, to do that because it would have just took one whistleblower to ruin the whole thing. I get it. Yeah, I completely get it. You don't, you don't put something like that in black and white ever. I don't right. care if it's Vince. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's uh, your city council or you don't put something of that nature in black and white. You never do that. Let me ask you this question then, a follow up to that. And I don't even have this one written down. This is just, I'm thinking on the fly here. So again, um, showing my age being 40 years old, uh, there was a big boost that I'll never forget in 1998, 97, 98, 99 in major league baseball with Ken Giffey Jr., Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, all those guys, right? Amazing. Roger Clemens. Like I loved baseball to begin with. I loved baseball to begin with, but that was outstanding that, that era. So you're sitting there as a, as a professional athlete yourself. Did you think, did you ever think to yourself like, man, these guys got to be juiced on something to be that strong. Like, does it ever go through your brain? I knew they were. I'm a former ball player. I played ball until I wrestled. Uh, I I don't know how far I could have gone with baseball. I I wouldn't have made it past college. I mean, I'm going to brag about that, but I might've been a small college ball player. So I have an idea what goes on in a baseball game. And uh, I quit in high school. So let's put it that way. in order to go to wrestling, <laughs> or quit as I graduated high school, I didn't continue on. Sure, um, I knew they were juiced. My thing is, 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 is having played ball, even at just the high school level, I know that there's no steroid makes you see the ball better. Right. There's no steroid that makes you connect the ball, connect with the ball better. You may hit it further, and that's what people pay to see. Yeah. They yep. pay to see a one nothing pitchers duel. They pay to see six to three, six to or, or eight to five home runs. They pay to see that. Uh, the steroids may make that fastball go from ninety two to ninety six, but they certainly don't give you that placement. They don't right. make it break any better. They don't make they don't make any of that take place. You might run a little faster, but if you don't hit the ball in the first place, what difference does it? So I knew it, and it was a great time, and that's when baseball lost me. You know, professional baseball lost me as a fan. When they went after all the guys, yep. I get it. Against law, against federal, I get it. Not at the but time. Making... They weren't yeah, drug and, testing and, at the time. Yeah, well, right. I mean, just, just – we, we go so far as to have congressional hearings. We don't have other problems in this country. Yeah, really. That's when baseball lost That's when baseball lost me. Yeah, I couldn't so agree I'm more. Major fan. I couldn't agree more. And and you see the stuff behind me, right? So truth be told, you know, here, here in Northeast Ohio. Okay. Um, I'm just going to flat out say it because it's the truth. Most media members and the general perception in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, extremely liberal. I'm very conservative. Mo- most reporters wouldn't walk in my basement right now because they would see all this stuff behind me and they'd freak out like, oh my God, there's a chief Wahoo. We're all going to hell. Right. Those of them who actually believe in God, I do. But it's 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 that it's that point of to me hypocrisy with with so many people because they enjoyed it watching is. those games they enjoyed watching those wrestlers and then the second something goes wrong or whatever it is then everyone wants to get on their high horse and, and try to bash an entire era which to me again I think it's BS for people to do but I, I'm not going to go down that road right now it's just my own two cents yeah. and and I just think it's it, it's it's a level of hypocrisy with people you know and, and people say oh well. They're just they're, they're so short term for exi- for existence with baseball, right? They say baseball is boring, but then you know they they pan the crowd of a baseball game and you see this, 
people staring at their phones. Just stay home then, if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, one thing in baseball that, that truly bothers me is the majority of the baseball writers never played a game in their life. That too. Even in middle school or high school. Uh, and that's where they really bother me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if a former player comes out and says, hey, I didn't, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I don't agree with this, I don't agree with that, it should have never happened. Him, I'm listening to. I care less what Stephen A. Smith or or that idiot in Dallas, uh, uh, Skip Bayless. I could care less what they have to say. Yep. To me, they're over. They're, they're overpaid as the Cardassians. You know, they're just they're as useless as the you, you never see them throw the first pitch out at a game. You know, there's a reason <laughs> for that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, hey, listen, thank you for joining us tonight. I'd like to save yeah. the fun the, the fun questions for last here. Um, I wasn't expecting oh. to go on a, such a, ta- a tangent with steroids, but oh. I, I appreciate yeah. it. Um, okay, so the fun one here, this one we talked about with Barry, I think there should be. I'm curious to get your opinion. Do you think there should be an enhancement talent wing of the WWE Hall of Fame? My ego says yes, and reality says no. Okay. You know, uh, the, the, the WWF made a documentary about uh, Barry and me and Steve Lombardi. And then when Peacock bought all out the network, they shelved it. Yep. So that just tells you it's not necessarily a market for guys like us. I mean, they filmed, they filmed us, they paid us, and paid us fairly well for what we did from, from you know, out of nowhere. Just hey, we're gonna make a documentary about what happened to you guys. Uh, and then, like I say, when I it came time to, and I'm, I'm long winded, but I'm getting back to my point. You know, when it came time to start editing or whatever, that's when Peacock bought it out, and then the you know, bigger corporations says there's no market for this. So that in its, itself tells me that should there be, if they ever physically built a Hall of Fame, my ego and my reality would say yes. But as long as it's it's not a physical Hall of Fame and it's a marketing tool. That's why I say ego. Yes, I'd love to see it because I may not be the first round, but I would be there sometime. Um, but marketing, which is what the Hall of Fame's all about, there's no reason. And Peacock proved that. You know, you said it earlier. Okay, you were easy to work with. You agreed. Huh? Anybody who, and I hate to use the term jobber, so I, I always say enhancement talent. Anybody who's there to collect a payment. A, a paycheck as an enhancement talent. Okay. You know, you're going yeah. in there to make the other guy look good. You know, you're going out That's on your job. back wrestling. Job. Yeah, it's a job it, and, and wrestling uh, lore. If you're leaving a territory, if you're exiting the company, you always put the other guy over now, which is a little good for business. Yes. Right. Uh, you're not going to be there any longer, but that other guy is It's only good for business. Yeah. I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. So my all-time favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. Just I'm probably the biggest Bret Hart mark you're going to find. Now, the one thing he did that I don't know if I disagree with it or have no opinion at all, I, I don't even really know anymore, is the Montreal screw job by him allegedly refusing to do the job to Shawn Michaels on his way out of the territory. For somebody like you who made a living off of this, what was your thoughts on that? My thoughts are less... Well, of course, I'm not going to send for a guy to do a job anyway. Uh, you know, wrong room there for that one. As far as Brett goes, to me, it was pure hypocrisy. And I like Brett. I'm not talking about him as a person. I'm just talking that moment in time of pure hypocrisy. Because this is a guy to this day talks about tradition and uh, the family and everything else. And 
business, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet he pulled what he pulled going out of the territory. Uh, all the guys are saying well, it's all a complete work. No, I, it was one of those things where everybody's working around Brett, but nobody's smart Brett up. Yeah. Everybody knew what was going on except Brett for a reason. Uh, this is one time where whether you like Vince, you don't like Vince, you think I'm oh, a megalomaniac and all the other things we hear about him. He, he protected his company. We can't have Brett doing a Medusa, Michelli thing, going on with the other company's TV and Fashion throwing it. a belt with Can't do that, uh, even though he and Bischoff and some of the others were in communication much more than we were told in those days. Still, at the end of the day, that money is going to be hurt for Vince McMahon. That income is going to be hurt if he lets Brett have Brett's way. So that elaborate work went on around him and everybody made sure that Brett, and I've seen things at smaller levels take place where the one guy just had no clue what was about to happen. And I firmly believe that's what happened. And do I have sympathy for Brett? No, none. If he was not someone that preached tradition, maybe. But you can't preach something that you don't practice. And, and, and stay, I don't know, good terms with people. I guess was the way to put it. It's, 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 you can't do it. So last question for you today, and this is a fun one, I think, too. Uh, the old traditional, where are they now? So what are you up to? So if I wanted to come out somewhere and buy you a beer, where would I have to go? What would I have to do? What, what is going on with us? to you have to get through the wire first. Okay. It's just no too Hard dog. Um, anyway, <laughs> she's, in the other room. she's in the other room. She just threw something at me. Um, I I'm a history professor now. I teach on I teach on four different campuses. One's face to face, and then the other three I'm teaching online. And you run a nonprofit. And my wife and I run a nonprofit for abuse. <laughs> uh, what do we have? We have a uh, for domestic abuse victims. Oh my gosh! Nonprofit to help. She's a lawyer. Okay. And she got involved with uh, all of that, helping the, the, those ladies, and so mainly ladies. There was always a guy, but she was that need help. God bless and you. So we, we run that. She does the most work. I just sign the papers when I'm told to sign them. Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, otherwise, I'm teaching. I, I, I spend 10, 15 hours a week on campus, and then I spend another 20 or so hours a week online. I teach history and government at college level. That's incredible. I love uh, government history, U.S. history. My wife was a, a major at it here in Toledo. I'm in Cleveland, but she went to Toledo University in Ohio. Um, we, we're huge history buffs here. Right the last like I said, the last year or two, I was in residence. I'd already started teaching. I had gone back to school a couple years before that. And by then, by the time I was getting out, I had my bachelor's and I went ahead and I have two masters. I have one in history, one in the science. Congratulations. Uh, it took me a couple of years. It took me a couple of years. But uh, that's what I'm doing now. That, uh, I'm teaching the nonprofit. I got an eight year old. I'm raising him half the time, part of the time. The rest of the time, my, the wife's got him. Uh, but if you, have, if you were to find me, once I said, once you got to the guard dog, you, you would find me on campus or you'd find me online. That's awesome. Listen, we only got a couple of minutes left on the, the stupid Zoom thing, but 
I don't normally do this type of thing, but I am blown away by the nonprofit. If it's okay with your wife, can she come on screen and just plug it for us real quick? Let us know hey, where Brandy, it's at. Come here real quick. How how fans can donate? Because I want my fans to know I about to this. Have, she had to put, the, had to put the, the, the bat down, but here she comes. She's right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandy. Hi, Brandy. We opened the Women's Empowerment Legal Center. You can look it up on Twitter or you can look me up on Twitter, Brandy Wolf. And the link is on there and LinkedIn as well. Just Women's Empowerment Legal Center. Right? Yep. Right. Brandy, I want whatever sales. I just sign whatever sales. Awesome. Brandy, I just want to say thank you to you. Hopefully you can still hear me here. Um, I'm a father of two little girls myself. I have an eight-year-old daughter. I have a five-year-old daughter. Uh, Keon Sports is the name of the company that Dusty is speaking with right now. Keon Sports, we have a huge female fan base. It's enormous, mostly uh, the mothers of the players because our, our biggest thing is high school sports. I, d- I do this wrestling stuff as a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I, you do a lot of high- I work with the high school sports section here in the newspaper. Uh, yeah, so you know it's a big deal because not a lot of people cover it. But- yeah. So the women, though, it's funny because if you look at our demographics, it's mainly the mothers of the players. So that's obviously a lot of wives out there as well. So that's where we get the letters from whenever we don't do something just exactly the way it's supposed to. That be too. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't spell this right, or you forgot that stat, or you yeah. should have. Oh, yeah. I've had mothers come up to the press box to let me know I announced the kid's name wrong. I'll so absolutely. I'll see that. But, hey, we wanted to say thank you. We're going to plug that for you. Absolutely. I'm going to put it in the article. Uh, just God bless you for doing that. That that's uh, To me, that's God's work. So thank you very much, okay? All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, hey, Dusty, uh, to you personally, yeah. a great interview. Thank you very much. And uh, any lasting words for the fans before we go home? I just appreciate those that remember. Uh, yeah, it, you, try to, you try to tell yourself that you don't care the ego's not still there but it's mm-hmm. heartwarming it really in some ways and comforting in other ways that you could add to somebody's in your case maybe your childhood okay i'll get over it i'll be that i am that old <laughs> but it, it it feels good and, and it is one of those situations that you usually enjoy hearing it i don't necessarily like everything i hear but yeah what the hell that's life but yeah it's just the idea that folks remember well, thank you again. We appreciate it. We're going to wish you the best of luck moving forward. I'll have this up in a couple hours and I'll make sure to tag you and Brandy and, and thank you again. Sounds good.